0: And behold, here he is, coming in on his cane and holding on to the book of life that he has made all of his journalistic entries. Here now, the frail but always sharp in his mind, Dr. History.
1: Good morning, Zab. How are you? We're always oh, better in our mind, aren't we? Or we think we are. Oh yeah, I know. You know, uh,
0: y- as we get older, people think that our minds and our memories diminish, and I don't think you have diminished at all. Uh, I haven't diminished in mine. I can still remember your full name, right, Fred? <laughs>
1: <laughs> You've got
0: it. You've got me. <laughs> How you doing this morning? I've got
1: a book called Brain Power and. Uh, you Yeah, there's as we get older, there's a lot of things we can do to maintain that uh, intellectual sharpness. You know, have
0: obviously done. I I think people, uh, I don't know why it is, but when you reach a certain age, for some reason, numbers mean something to somebody. uh, But age is relevant. You know, I know 85 and 90 year old people that are as sharp as a tack, and they can remember telephone numbers of everybody they call, remember all their names, remember all the circumstances. It's just people are different. Some things aren't important to them.
1: Yep, that's exactly right. Yep, it is.
0: What's going on in the world of history?
1: Well, I thought I would talk about a famous person that uh, I'm going to bet nobody knows him, but I'm going to talk about the man who killed the man... Who killed Jesse
0: James? Oh wait a minute, wait a minute. You're gonna talk about the man who killed the man who killed Jesse James. That's right. All right now That's I know that I, I know the man's name that killed Jesse James, his name was Howard. Well,
1: yes. Uh, no. Uh, Howard was the uh, name of that Jesse James took Uh, as a fake name.
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah, they always say the fake name. That's right. The man that killed Mr. Howard. You're right. Right. But you're going to talk about the man that killed the man that killed Mr. Howard. Yes. Ah. Yep. Okay. So here
1: we go. Whew, I'm confused. 1892, Crete, Colorado was quite a place. It was a silver mining boom town full of men who were determined to get a fortune from the earth as well as other men and women equally determined to uh, that whatever wealth the miners took from the ground would win their pockets instead. So, you know, this latter group included gamblers and con men and entertainers and thieves and murderers. And, uh, also a saloon keeper by the name of Bob Ford. Okay, this is our man. We're going to talk about him. Mm-hmm. So, 1892, a fire had broken out in Creed, Colorado. The fire was probably one of the worst catastrophes that could befall a frontier town because in only a short time, an unchecked blaze could totally destroy an entire community. Well, that's what happened in Creed, Colorado. Most of the buildings in, in town burned to the ground because, you know, the pictures you see of them side by side is actually true. And, of course, they were all made out of wood. So, you know, if a fire started, man, it would just zip right through the whole town and burn out maybe one side of the street and maybe even the other. So, so here we have the town has been burned down, but the silver was still there under the ground. So in the mines that dotted the mountains around Creed, Colorado. Now, despite the destruction, the citizens weren't ready to give up and abandon the town, not while there was still money to be made. So they rolled up their sleeves and started over. Bob Ford included. Like I say, he had a saloon that burned down. Well, within a couple of days, Ford had leased some land, bought a tent, and was back in business. Serving up liquor, card games to the miners, and who basically flocked into the place. Now, Bob Ford was well-known, if not well-liked, only in Creed, Colorado, but uh, not only there, but across the frontier. His claim to fame, as he never let anybody forget, was that he had killed Jesse James, the most famous outlaw in the world. A little more than a decade earlier, in 1882, in St. Joseph, Missouri, Ford shot Jesse James in the back of the head as Jesse stood on a chair dusting a pitcher in the home he was renting from under this false name of Thomas Howard. And that's where you got that name, Howard. Mm -hmm. Um, As a relatively new member of Jesse's gang, Ford betrayed and killed him for the $10,000 reward, which, ironically, he never received. Instead, he and his brother, who was also present at the time of the killing, were actually arrested, tried, and convicted of murder, only to be pardoned uh, by the governor of Missouri. Now, finding that he was not regarded as a hero for his actions, uh, this bitterly disappointed Bob Ford drifted west. He opened a saloon in Las Vegas, New Mexico in partnership with a guy named Dick Little, uh, which was another former member of the James Gang. Well, the business failed, and Ford moved on to Colorado. He opened another saloon, and he boasted openly about who he was and what he had done. He really thought that that would improve the saloon's business. Well, the, the... It kind of backfired on him. Uh, Ford was forced to supplement his income by uh, charging to pose for pictures with people who wanted to be photographed with the famous killer of Jesse James. So now, uh, to give you a little background on uh, Ford, he was violent. He was aggressive when he was drunk. uh, He was involved in several shooting scrapes. uh, And so basically the town must have been happy to see him go when the silver strike in Creed took place and Ford packed up and left for the new boomtown of Creed, Colorado. Now Ford's personal popularity wasn't any higher in Creed, uh, but his saloon, the Creed Exchange, was a, quite a success. Now he was still a bad drunk though, and one night he stumbled out into the street and started shooting out every light he could find. Now, the townspeople took kind of a dim view of this behavior. Uh, they weren't too fond of this, so the vigilante committee warned him to be out of town by 4 o'clock that afternoon. Well, Bob Ford, he might not have been the smartest guy west of the Mississippi, but he wasn't stupid either. He left for Pueblo, Colorado on the next train. Now, here comes the next major character in our story, Uh Edward O. Kelly. Kelly was a Tennessean who had moved to Colorado in 1882, and we don't really know much about his early life, but uh, when he landed in Pueblo, he worked as a streetcar driver and as a policeman. Now, the fact that he had a temper is documented by the fact that While working as a policeman, he shot and killed a man that he was placing under arrest because the man accidentally stepped on his foot. (laughs) Not that was interesting. (laughs) Don't step on the on the foot of the law; (laughs) you may get killed. Okay. Well, anyway, Kelly was tried for that killing, but he was acquitted. No big surprise, considering you know the rough and tumble nature of the times back then. So anyway, Kelly was actually a bachelor, and he lived in a rented room. So one day he struck up an acquaintance with a man who was newly arrived in town and looking for a place to stay. Well, that man was Bob Ford. So Kelly agreed to let Ford share his room. So while living in Pueblo, Ford wrote letters to the community leaders back in Creed, Colorado, asking that he'd be allowed to return and reopen his saloon. He promised he'd be a good boy, that he'd be on his best behavior. Well, one morning, Ford discovered that a diamond ring belonged to him was gone. Uh-oh. So he accused Kelly of taking it, his roommate but Kelly hotly denied the theft and you know, well, hard feelings sprang up immediately between the two men and trouble might have developed more uh, but uh, Ford had last received word that he could go, go back to Creed, Colorado so he departed for the silver boom town uh, still kind of smarting over the loss of the ring, which he really thought Kelly had stolen, and we really don't know for sure, but anyway, like scores of others, Kelly was also drawn to Creed, uh, the Creed area by the silver boom but he didn't strike it rich well, Kelly drifted into the town of Creed, and he stepped into the, salo- uh, the saloons for a drink, uh, and he happened to step into a bustling establishment called the Creed Exchange. Well, this was, uh, of course, Bob Ford's uh, saloon. Now, maybe he knew the place was owned by his old enemy, Bob Ford, or maybe he didn't, uh, we don't know. But also unknown is which of the men saw the other one first. But within minutes of Kelly's arrival, trouble broke out, obviously, so Ford just walked up to Kelly, demanded that he turn over his weapons. Well, Kelly was carrying a pistol and a knife, and he didn't want to give up either one. He refused, which prompted Ford to draw his gun. Well, instead of shooting the guy, he slammed the weapon up against the side of Kelly's head, smacked him to the floor. Now Ford at this time warned him in a loud voice, he said, never to turn up in his saloon again. He said, you'll be shot on sight if you do, and so Ford threatened, and Polo humiliated Kelly. He, It was kind of thrown basically out into the street, just like you would see uh, on TV. A couple of guys just threw him out in the street. Well, a short time later, the fire that we talked about that nearly destroyed Creed uh, took place. And this is when Ford erected his tent saloon to take the place of the building that had been destroyed. Now, the stage was set for the final showdown between Creed and Ford. Mm -hmm. Kelly and Ford. So on the afternoon of June 8, 1892, Ed Kelly walked up in front of the tent that housed the Creed Exchange. A horseman rode up beside him, reined to a halt, handed him a double barrel shotgun. Well, with his hands wrapped tightly around the weapon, Kelly entered the tent saloon, looked around, he spotted Bob Ford, walked up behind Bob Ford, moving quickly so that no one could call a warning to the saloon keeper and infamous killer of Jesse James. So Kelly cal- called out and said, Hello, Bob. And lifted the shotgun. <laughs> Hello, Bob. Hello, Bob. Remember me? <laughs> so Ford started to turn around, and before he could do so, Kelly fired both barrels. Ooh. Well, the heavy twin charges of slugs and buckshot slammed into the side of Ford's neck at close range. It tore his throat out, breaking his spine and killed him instantly. And obviously, he went down just. Uh, just like that he was he was gone so kelly turned towards the saloon's entrance and got there just as deputy sheriff dick plunkett rushed up well kelly handed over the shotgun and surrendered to the lawman he was locked up well kelly remained in custody uh and on in 1892 he was found guilty of murder in the second degree and sentenced to life in the state penitentiary well for the next nine years ed kelly was a resident of the colorado state prison at cannon city and during this time, he wrote frequent letters to the governor and to the board of pardons and uh, asking for clemency, and evidently, he was a good prisoner, a model prisoner. And I guess my thought is, you know, what else do you do when you're in jail? <laughs> uh, so, finally, in October of 1902, Kelly's sentence was commuted, and he was released. So, we're talking, he was only in jail for four years. Oh, my. Or so, something like that, about four years is all. He only but, got uh, four years? in Colorado in 1903 and headed east to Oklahoma City, and... In Oklahoma City, uh, uh, the police considered Kelly kind of a troublemaker, and they kept an eye on him. He was picked up several times for suspicious behavior, and uh, this made him even angrier and more belligerent. And uh, like I said, Kelly, uh, you know, obviously he killed a guy for stepping on his foot. Uh, His temper had always been his downfall, and so this was no different. Well, 1904, Kelly... Uh, it was an evening in January 13, 1904. Kelly ran into Joe Burnett, who was a local police officer on the street. Well, at this point, uh, Kelly had been arrested and rearrested and released, and he wasn't in a very good mood. He snapped. So he yanked a gun from his pocket and tried to pistol whip the officer, this, uh, this Burnett guy. Uh, well, Burnett grabbed the gun and pushed it away from his face. Kelly jerked the trigger caused the gun to go off so close to Burnett's head that he suffered powder burns on his ear so it was a deadly wrestling match after that which Burnett hanging on for dear life to Kelly's gun hand as the berserk man emptied the revolver kept shooting oh my somehow all the bull- bullets missed Burnett though several of them came so close that they tore holes in his overcoat
0: holy at this point
1: Burnett yelled for help but nobody none of the passersby by her were willing to come to his assistance Whew. so you know uh, this wasn't a very friendly area I guess (laughs) so even now okay the gun was empty Kelly kept fighting Uh, he started packing Burnett with his fists, with his feet with his teeth with everything he had well finally one of the bystanders uh, jumped into the fight and grabbed hold of Kelly's arm for a minute and that was all that the Joe Burnett needed he drew his own gun and fired he hit Kelly twice, once in the leg and once the fatal shot in the head. And so Bob Ford killed Jesse James, hoping it would bring him fame and fortune. But Ed Kelly, who gained a certain amount of notoriety himself as the man who killed the man who killed Jesse James, uh, acting out of irrational anger and uncontrollable temper, uh, years later that same temper brought about Kelly's own death. So, he was buried in Fairlawn Cemetery in Oklahoma City in an unmarked pauper's grave.
0: i be darned. Interesting. So
1: Kelly, the man who killed Bob Ford, who killed Jesse James, uh, that was the end of him. But, uh, you know, the Robert Ford, uh, on his uh, grave, it says, the dirty little coward who shot Mr. Howard. That's right. And laid poor Jesse in his grave.
0: That's right. You know, you think about this uh, struggle for that pistol and those big old heavy Colt forty-fives or forty-fours or whatever, and you let loose about five or six shots right next to your ear. All you're going to say for the next two years is, huh? (laughs)
1: That's right, yeah. Yeah, I've got a picture in front of me of uh, of Jesse James sitting on a chair with his... uh Looks like probably a Colt forty five in his hand, sitting there just as he looks like a little kid actually. Yeah. You yeah, know he wasn't that old. Let me
0: ask you a question about this though. There is like in the story of Billy the Kid and others there is uh, some discrepancy there is some historical questioning as to whether or not it really happened as they say it did like with uh, Mr. Howard being shot by Ford etc what do you think?
1: you know I've seen some of those programs on TV I've read a lot of things and you know it's kind of one of those Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid types yeah. Yeah. you know do we really know I mean as we've mentioned before with some of these outlaws what better way to go out and try to live a normal life than to basically fake your own death and just like with butch cassidy you know uh there's stories that he visited his sister in I think it was New York Yes. after he was supposedly shot down in I believe it was
0: Bolivia there was an older gentleman that used to live here in Magic Valley and he's passed away now about 10-12 years ago and uh, he died probably in his late 80's and I remember vividly he told me one time that all the rumors about Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid uh, dying over in South America were absolutely phony he said He came back here. He resided uh, at various locations. Yes, he did have family on the East Coast and everything. But this man that I talked to claimed to have been a friend of one of the riders that rode with Butch Cassidy in the Sundance Kid.
1: Well, and there again, uh, in my reading, I've read of the same thing. People over in Utah, uh, Wyoming, in that area where Butch uh, kind of hung out. Uh, the claim that claim uh, that they saw him after the supposed death in South America. But yeah, like with Robert or with uh, Jesse James, what better way to uh, uh, hide yourself? And, and uh, maybe that's why uh, uh, Ford never got the uh, money uh, because, you know, again, I've read that maybe Jesse James made a deal with the governor that uh, if he faked his death somehow or another and left the country for good that that they just
0: leave him alone. Well, now, that also goes along with this man that claims to have ridden with uh, a Sundance kid and uh, Butch Cassidy. And the same could be said of another circumstance, Billy the Kid. There supposedly was some rumors uh, that the governor of New Mexico had made a uh, kind of a twist and turn with the law and everything because of Billy supporting the ranchers in the area and everything. Maybe they made a deal for him to get out of the limelight. I mean, how are we ever going To know the truth,
1: you know, the sad thing is, the best sources that I have found as I've given this show is uh, when I can find somebody's journal, diary of the actual person that wrote their own story, yeah, because everything else is just somebody else's opinion.
0: Well, you know, you take, like, you do such a wonderful, thorough job on the historical stories you present on, and by the way, this is a good time to plug it, dr-history.com, or if they want to hear some of these old uh, stories that we put together on dr-history.com. But you know, history is still, I don't care if it's about the Revolutionary War, I don't care if it's about the Civil War, I don't care about anything that's happened in our past, Is still speculative, really, we don't know everything that happened
1: well and even then I've read stories uh, first hand accounts of the same event by two different people yeah and you're still going to get different points of view uh, even with people that were actually there
0: look at the Alamo there's a classic example yes And other stories. But you know, you take like these Old West uh, characters, uh, whether it's, uh, what was his name, Kelly and Ford and uh, Howard and all this, how they're intertwined and over long distances. I mean, I remember stories you've had on dr-history.com where maybe they might have come out of Michigan or back east and ended up out in Arizona, and, and the intertwining of personalities puts them all the way back on the east coast again.
1: Right. Well, and then the, uh, the interaction between some of these famous people. Uh, some of them, you know, got to know the herbs or, you know, the yeah. Cassidy's, the Jesse James, and the crossing of uh, the paths of some of these pretty famous uh, outlaws.
0: Absolutely. Lawmen. Absolutely. Absolutely excellent story this morning and uh, if people want to hear some more of the old stories right here on Dr. Doctor History, doctor com, right?
1: You bet. We've got listeners throughout the world now and so if you like our stories, tell your friends.
0: Doc, I appreciate it and uh, do you have any inkling as to what you're going to talk about next week? Real fast, I got 30 seconds left.
1: You know, I, uh, I'm i thinking about uh talking about some of the life of, the, in the saddle of the cavalry, oh. the old cavalry. Okay. Uh, there's some pretty interesting things there that, uh, Uh, We've told before a little bit, but I I may jump into that a little bit. All
0: right. Dr. History, Dr. Ken Turner, God bless you. Don't forget, go to the website, dr-history.com. Thank you so much. Have a great week. We'll see you next Tuesday.
1: You have a good day, Zapp.
0: Thank you, sir. I love that segment. He does a great job. Dr. Ken Turner, Dr. History.